Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. We want to just continue where we left off last night, and I want to get intensely practical with you this morning about how to walk this thing out. You know, last night we ended, and they're going to put this slide up here, the four different kinds of shame, and we ended last night with you here in the altar, allowing the Lord to touch your heart because of actual shame, accused shame, or imputed shame, or imploding shame. Shame that you've just stuffed. And you know, the shame that you hide is the shame that's going to control you. And so, one of the things that we shared last night was just refuse to allow shame to be your teacher. Right? No more demonic tutors. Amen? We destroyed those. We're aware that they're there. We don't want to allow them to teach us, train us, um, be our guide in any way. Because shame is the voice of the enemy. We determined last night that shame does not come from God. It's not vertical. Shame is all horizontal. It comes from other voices. External shame, internal shame, being ashamed. But the voice of conviction, the voice of the Holy Spirit will come and Show us what to do and how to change. So I didn't touch on this. You heard me quote it in the altar last night. But I wanted to be sure and read it to you because I've got a a typical preacher. I put numbers or alliteration on things. I don't know that these are in an order of importance. But I'm going to show you five keys to go from shame to confidence. Because shame undermines our confidence, doesn't it? It says that we're not good enough. We'll never make it. Remember my definition of shame. Shame is the paralyzing emotion that freezes us up on the inside and says, you'll never finish. So, they undermines all of our confidence as men. And these same principles apply to women, but we're at a men's conference. We're at a men's retreat. So we want to deal with it from that perspective. So find in your Bibles, or if you're taking notes, write it down. I want you to find Isaiah chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And I'm going to start right there this morning. It says, therefore, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that shows up, slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We could camp out right there, but I want to move on to verse 2. We do this. This is how we do this. This is how we run the race with endurance. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame. 
Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So God has brought Jesus to the throne beside him so that he can cheer us on, champion us, but he despised the shame of dying basically a criminal's death. Everybody understands that, right? That the crucifixion was the, a criminal's death. That religious leader, the Romans didn't kill him. They participated, but it was the Jewish religious leaders that killed Jesus. And so from that place right there, from that understanding, I want to lead you in a five-step process of how, that you can take home with you. And if you'll write this stuff down and keep it, it's easy. It's not, it's not deep theological stuff. It's rooted in the Bible, though. Number one, shame is on him, not on you. You say, where do you get that? Well, I just read it. Jesus despised the shame of dying on the cross. Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 5. You can write that down. We're not going to read it. We, we, I think most of us know it. It talks about he took our griefs. He took our sorrows. He took our rejection. He took our transgression, our sin, our iniquities. And by his stripes, we are healed. The heading in my Bible over Isaiah 53, it's called the suffering servant. Uh, servant. That Jesus was the, our suffering servant. He took all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our guilt, all of our sorrow, all of our grief on him. Say it with me. Shame is on him. Not on me. Say it again. Shame is on him. Not me. That's what he did. And when any time, and, and we didn't... We didn't put each other's business in the street last night about what you're dealing with. We understand that that's, we, I started with sin is sin. God forgives sin, and he forgives and forgets. It's on the horizontal level that we as human beings don't forget. We can willfully choose to forgive, which we, how many of you know I don't need to, I, I mean, I guess I could teach on forgiveness. It's important, because if we don't forgive, Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, if you do not forgive those who have sinned against you, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Don't get mad at me. I didn't write it. I just read it. <laughs> but if you're, not, if you're holding on to unforgiveness, you're putting a brass heaven over your head. I'm not denying the fact that somebody hurt you, wounded, did, treated you bad, or did something wrong, or cheated you, stole from you. They did that, but you've got to put them in the hands of the Lord. You can't take punishment. Somebody said unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. You're really just killing yourself. Right? Can I get an amen from at least one person? Amen. All right, thank you. So the shame is on him, not on you. And you've got to put this, just like forgiveness, you've got to put this on repeat. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Shame is on him. Shame is, the, listen, the devil's going to do his job until Jesus throws him in the lake of fire. You understand that, don't you? And he's going to continue to come with the accusing finger. You can get actual forgiveness for what you did, but he's going to continue to come with accusations. And you're going to have to be able to defeat those accusations by recognizing on repeat, shame is on him, not on me. I have a saying that I teach. It comes out in so many sermons because so much of Christianity is like this. 
Repetition, listen to this, listen closely. It's going to go over your head. Some of you, it may go over your head for a minute, but then you're going to get it. I'm going to illustrate it to you. Repetition is the mother of all creation. On the count of three, say that with me. One, two, three. Repetition is the mother of all creation. Now, let me explain. In 2009, I weighed about 50 pounds more than I do today. I've been traveling all over the world, all over the country. I was drinking four to six Dr. Peppers a day. I was eating junk food. I wasn't taking care of my body. I was probably running on fumes, and I got a very, very bad report from my doctor. My doctor was in my church uh, that I pastored, and he'd been with me uh, for over 30 years, followed me around, uh, you know, just my supporter. And I went in, and, and my blood pressure was just resting like this. My blood pressure was 178 over 140. My doctor said, I think I'm going to put you in the hospital so you'll slow down. I just started our church. Uh, I was still traveling because the church wasn't, didn't have enough money to pay me. And so I was doing both. I, he looked at me and he said, you're burning the candle at both ends. And, and he said, you know what? I've listened to you preach for over 30 years and you preach faith. He said, you need to practice what you preach. You're working way too hard. He said, you need to slow your roll. And then he said, I've also, in, in all those years of hearing you preach, you tell stories about being an athlete. He said, it's time for you to get off your butt. And then he wrote me out this prescription for blood pressure medicine that, I mean, I'm not putting anybody down in here. This is just the facts. Most people, when they get on blood pressure medicine, they never get off. And that's what I'd always known. And I said, no. And he said, yes. And so I started this journey of getting back into the gym. I've had three knee surgeries on my knees due to playing basketball. So I don't, there's no pounding. That's why I didn't go do laser tag. Because I know y'all were running around in the dark. And, and I, I, I've got to keep on living, guys. <laughs> because my knees start talking to me. But here's the thing. I couldn't, I couldn't do a treadmill, and I couldn't just run. I couldn't just do, so I got on an elliptical. I could barely have the stamina to do an elliptical for more than three or four minutes. But it took me three and a half years, and I actually lost 68 pounds. I went down to about 168 in weight, and then I put on about 15 or 20 pounds of muscle the next year and, and succeed. And I've just maintained that. But let me, let me tell you how that happens. Repetition is the mother of all creation. You repeat, 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 and it changed my body. You're going to have to do that about shame. You're going to have to tell shame to shut up every day of your life and maybe four or five times a day. Are you with me? 
you're going to have to say, Shane, go back to hell where you came from. Shame's on him, not on me. Does that make sense? So much of the Christian life is repetition. And when you can repeat, and we, we could talk about things like prayer, we could talk about things like reading the Bible. You say, well, that's, that's the preacher's answer for everything. Because it is the answer to everything. You've got to have a diet of the Word of God. This is God's wisdom. I have people all the time saying, I just need to find God's will. Well, God's Word and God's will are the same thing. Read the Bible. And you'll find God's will for your life. Pray, well, I, I, I'm, just not, I'm just not eloquent and flowery like you, Pastor. I just don't say it like you. God does not care. Let, let me tell you another thing about repetition. One of the things people talk about preaching. There, there's a, preaching and speak, public speaking is a skill. I work at it constantly. The thing I hate the most, you pastors in here, I hate, I hate to listen to myself preach. Because I think I suck. And I see all of the mistakes I make and the way I go, um, uh, I lick my lips or, do, you know, scratch my butt or I don't know. <laughs> but I just hate seeing that stuff. But repetition, any athlete in here, any athlete, whether it's years past, you understand. Repetition, 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 repetition is what makes you great. Amen? Number two, if you're going to go from shame to confidence, Jesus has got to define your value, your worth. We're not about self-esteem, guys. The Bible does not teach self-esteem. The Bible teaches self-worth. The Bible teaches value. Self-esteem is how you feel about yourself. I look in the mirror at myself and I'm bow-legged and I've never ridden a horse in my life. <laughs> I've got these two big old buck teeth right here. I've had these two teeth. They were this big from the time I, since, I, since I was 11. I was roller skating at a skate, local skating rink and I was, we were racing through all these people and this kid, uh, the kid I was racing, didn't do it on purpose. I was trying to pass him. And you know how you push off? He pushed and tripped me and on the concrete floor I had 10 stitches right here. I chipped these two teeth down to the nerve and back in the 60s when that happened, these are porcelain teeth caps. That's all they are. Tip, and, and man, I went all through uh, the rest of elementary school, middle school, until my body caught up with the, the big teeth, and it was Bucky and Chipmunk, and it was all these names, and my self-esteem was just in the crapper. How I felt about myself. And we've all been through that kind of stuff, right? But when I became a Christ follower and began to learn what God's Word said about me, my self-worth, my value Got founded in Christ, not in my appearance or not in my abilities, but in who Jesus said I was. I need a volunteer who's going to help me. Real quickly, one volunteer. Dave, you volunteer for everything. That's because you do improv. You need volunteers too. You want to help. I need a volunteer. I, like the, I want the guy in the cool hat right here. Come on. That's you. Yeah, don't be looking around. 
Adrian. Tell me your name again. Tony. Tony. Oh, thank you. Tell you right here. Oh. Hold, hold on to it. So, Tony, how much gas will that $20 bill buy? Right now, probably a little over half a tank. No, $20 worth. Okay, good. All right. Tony, uh, if I told you that that $20 bill had rolled up like Dateline says, and about 60% of those $20 bills have been rolled up in a little thing to suck some white stuff up somebody's nose, do you still want it? Yes. Okay. What if I told you I was pretty sure that that $20 bill had been stolen out of a little old lady's purse? Do you still want it? What if I told you, Tony, that that $20 bill had been in the G-string of a stripper? Do you still want it? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> now, I think I know why Tony has said yes to all of those questions. It's because it doesn't make any difference where it's been, what it's been doing, or who it's been doing it with. It's still worth 20 bucks. It still has value of $20. He can still buy $20 worth of gas with the $20 bill no matter where it's been. Am I understanding your thinking? Yes, yes, sir. Okay. So, now, this leads to the million-dollar question or comment. How much are you worth? Uh, more than $20. You're priceless. You're worth the death of his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It makes you priceless. So your value is not determined on where you've been or what you've been doing or what you can do or might do. You're, Jesus determined your value before you were ever born. Because before you were ever born, he had already sent his son. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while we still were stupid, dumb, didn't know Jesus, God demonstrated his love for us because we're priceless. Amen? Amen. Thank you. You can have that. No, no. No, you can have that. That's my gift to you for being a volunteer. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> So, shame's on him, not on us. Number two, the second thing we're talking about is, come on, man, look at me. Come on, guys, look up here. Don't let the world determine your value. Don't let the world determine your worth. Let all of your worth come from what Jesus has done for you. And you stand on it. You claim it. And, it, and it, again, repetition's the mother of all creation. Repeat, 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 repeat. Number three, let Jesus define your identity. Now, there's a difference between your worth and identity. I know they're, I know they're closely connected. But your identity, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, if you're taking notes, it's a very, very familiar scripture, but it has the, uh, the most amazing truth in it. If any man be in Christ, he is a, a new identity. You change the old for the new. 
You remember when you were a little kid and you didn't win the game, you didn't play well or you didn't do it right and you started jumping up and down and screaming, I want a do-over! Anybody remember doing that? Listen, Jesus gave you a do-over at life. And he'll do it again today. He did it again last night. He did it again last night, didn't he? Because your identity and your value is not in your performance. And guys, I confess, you know, confession's good for the soul. It really sucks for the reputation, though. <laughs> but I confess, as an athlete and as a competitive athlete, and I, that competitiveness translated into my Christianity when I first became a Christian. And then when I became a preacher and a pastor, that competitiveness, I have to repent of the sin of comparing myself to other people all the time. Because when I, when I compare my, who I am and what I can do to somebody else, it leads me to compromise who God's called me to be. Comparison will always lead you to compromise. The anointing is on the original, not on the copy. I used to, I used to try to preach like my pastor. I used to try to mimic his, his hand motions, his body motions. He had this vein that when he got really anointed, he had this vein that popped out like this, and he had this finger that was crooked like that, and he would, he would get down like this, and he would start really, really preaching, and that vein would pop out, and I'd go, ooh, he's getting anointed. Well, I tried to copy that in a minute. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I finally realized the truth I just told you. The anointing is on the original, not on the copy. Quit trying to be somebody else. And that's what happens with, with, in the shame game. And the title of this whole teaching is There's No Shame in Your Game. I hope you remembered that. We're trying to get shame out of our game. So, number four. Am I moving fast enough for y'all? Because we're going somewhere. We're, get, we're getting somewhere this morning. Number four. Let God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit be your teacher. I've, I've got scripture up there. John 14, 26. John 15, 26. John 16, 13. All of these talk about the role of the Holy Spirit as your teacher, as your guide. I love John 16, 13. John 16, 13 says he'll bring to our remembrance all things that Jesus has said. And what, he, what that means is, guys, I mean, you guys, have y'all noticed that I can quote tons of scripture without looking at the Bible? Well, that's, that's something God, a gift God gave me. I have an incredible memory for the location of Scripture, and I can quote Scripture. But it's something I've cultivated in my life. You can cultivate the same thing. Just ask God to bring to your remembrance. You might know the, not know the address of the Scripture, you, but you can, you can get close enough. But here's the thing. John 16, 13 says, he'll bring to our remembrance. He'll give us insight. And then the last phrase, the last sentence of John 16, 13. Somebody look up John 16, 13 and read it out loud for us. Somebody just grab it and stand up and be really loud and read it. Because I want you to see this. First person to get it. Come on, John 16, 13. Stand up, read it real loud, bro. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak from himself, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you what is to come. So he'll guide you into all truth. He's going to give you insight. And then what's the last phrase? He will disclose to you 
How many of you would like to know what's about to happen? John 16, 13 says the Holy Spirit will give you, guide you into all truth, help you remember all those things, and then he's going to show you what's to come so you have insight and foresight through the Holy Spirit. Man, as a pastor leading a congregation, I'm asking the Lord for insight and foresight 24-7. You need that in your business, sir. You need that with your kids. You need to know what's coming down the pipe with your children. You need insight and foresight so you can guide them and direct them. Amen? You need that to deal with shame. You need to, we we touched last night, no more demonic tutors. We're not letting uh, shame be our tutor any longer. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. Get those verses, John 14, 26, John 15, 26, John 16, 13. Get those down in your spirit. Number five. Now this is, number five is really my favorite one. Don't let the shamers legislate your level. Now, think about that a minute. The people that point their finger... The voice of shame, the thing that chirps at you and says, you can't, you won't, you never will, you'll never get there. That, whoever, however, on a horizontal level, however that voice comes, the voice of shame, the voice of ashamed, however that, what's that trying to get you to do? Stop, not finish, right? We've established that. That is legislating your level of where you can live, how far you can go, how successful you can be. How good your marriage can be. How good your business can be. What, a, what kind of uh, walk with Christ. It legislates your level. There's a really cool story in Luke chapter 18. We all know it. We've heard it. Uh, the, the beggar, blind Bartimaeus. Y'all remember that story? He was sitting on the curb. I don't think they had curbs <laughs> back in Bible days. But have you ever heard the phrase, kick to the curb? I think it comes from that story. Because if you remember... He's sitting on the side of the road is what the scripture says. I'm using the word curb to modernize it for us. And he hears this commotion. He can't see it, but he can hear it. Jesus has been moving around doing miracles. And he's heard about Jesus. And he says, who is this? And they say, it's Jesus. And he stands up, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, the disciples, the people that are following Jesus, what did they do? Kicked him to the curb. They told him to sit down and be quiet. This is in Luke 18, verses 35 through 43, if you're looking for the reference. They literally kicked him to the curb, but you know what the story says? He got even louder. I've got this mic on, I won't get louder. I could, but I won't. But he got even louder, and Jesus stopped. And healed the guy. Do not let the shamers, the people trying to kick you to the curb, legislate the level you're going to live at. All five of these things you've got to put on repeat. My thought is, it depends on how much you're dealing with shame, but my thought for you this morning is, is you might want to go home and make you a little three-by-five card that has your version of this, not my version. You can get it to where you completely, totally understand it, to where you get it so down on the inside of you that the voice of shame has zero power over your life.
None. And I'm going I'm, I'm to prophesy to you, brothers. I'm not a prophet, but I'm going to encourage you and edify you and build you up and prophesy to you right now. If you can habitually deal with shame this way, there is no stopping you. Because that's the devil's number one plan. He can't get to Jesus anymore. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. The only way that he's going to stop the kingdom of God is by stopping you. And when you shut down the voice of shame of your past, because listen guys, I said it last night, I don't know if you caught it, but the devil does not know your future. Satan is not omnipotent, he is not omniscient, and he's not omnipresent. He is limited. The only thing he's got on you is your past. Nod your head at me if you understand what I'm teaching you this morning. I'm not preaching, I'm teaching. Probably doing a little of both, but I want to see you walk in victory. I practice these things. These these things that are up here on the screen are the part of the fabric of my lifestyle as a Christ follower. Because, guys, I grew up in the Presbyterian church. Because I told my girlfriend, who's now my wife, that I went to church. She thought I was saved. I wasn't saved. My Presbyterian church told me, come to church and be a good boy and you'll go to heaven. Well, I had half that right. I came to, went to, my parents made sure I was in church every Sunday. But I was not a nice guy. By any stretch of the imagination. Thank you, Jesus, for a godly girlfriend that said, I thought she was hot. Oh my gosh, she's still hot. But she said, you can't date me unless you come to church with me. And you can't take me out on the first date until you come meet my parents. And I walked up to the front door and there was this big plaque on the front door that said, Jesus lives here with the Cassells. I nearly turned around and left because I thought that was weird. But thank you, Jesus, I did not. But God's dealing with people is when you've got music people and sound people that are as engaged as the people in the seats, God's doing something. Because those people usually are focused on other things. And I know that from years and years of traveling and speaking. But when you, from the front of the room to the back of the room and everywhere around, when you see people being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and letting God touch their hearts. Something dynamic is taking place. Life-changing. So the way we're going to end this session before you go eat is I went and got this handheld mic because I'm going to ask three different ones of you that you want to to come and express a brief sentence prayer over this what we've been experiencing and then I'm going to close in prayer and then Pastor Brian's going to come and tell us what to do, when to do and how to do it okay, so we're going to keep the solemn part going but just four at the most two at the least just you feel led of the Lord to pray over this wonderful group of men and group of churches 
just come and take this mic from me and express your heart to the Lord. the fear of our past, of our past selves, the shame that was bred in our past, affecting our future. Yes. God, we do not live in the past, because when you died on the cross, Lord, you defeated death, you defeated sin, you defeated shame. God, we can live as a new man, Lord God, walking out of here, Lord God fresh, anew, alive in your spirit. Jesus, help us, Lord, to walk out of here towards the future that you have for us with our heads lifted high, emboldened by your grace. And that every device of the enemy that threatens to bring that shame back upon us. I pray against it in the name yeah. of Jesus. Lord, have your way, I pray. Amen. Come on, you can line up. You'll go first, you'll go next. Father God, I just pray for each and every man, Lord God, that would dig deep, Lord, into the traumas of their past, of their youth, of their childhood, Lord God, mm. that is holding them back, Lord, for all that you have for them today, Lord God. I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we will let go of every bitter seed, bitter root, yes. bitter expectation, Lord God, that we will place it at your feet, Lord God, and say, no more will this ruin and run my life, Lord. There is no shame in Christ Jesus. Amen. And I pray in the, in the name of Jesus Christ that each man would dig deep, Lord God. Break down the walls of their heart, the pride in their inner being, Lord God, to place this at your feet, Lord. Continue to do the work that you started, Lord. Yeah. And see it to completion, Lord, to wholeness, to holiness, Lord to righteousness, Lord, each and every man, to walk this out, Lord God, after this conference, Lord, to look at that keychain and to understand and know exactly what we did at the cross, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that this would be a lifelong transformation conference, Lord, an encounter that will never be forgotten, Lord, and a transformation that will bring you testimony upon testimony and glory, Lord God. Jesus name. Amen. Lord, we thank you, God, that you forgive us, that you bear our shame, 
that we don't have to carry it anymore. So today, God, we, we cast that at your feet. We place it at the foot of the cross. Lord, that we would run unhindered, that we would be free to run with you, Lord. Not looking back, not weighed down by our past mistakes because you, you've handled it. You've taken care of it, Lord. That we would fix our eyes on you, God, and we would run yeah. free. God, that your freedom, Lord, would Amen. just so... The truth of that, of our freedom in you, God, would be so evident in us, Lord God, that we would charge ahead, running free in joy because you've taken it, God. We don't have to bear it anymore. We don't have to listen to the lies of the enemy. We can run free in you, Jesus. And we know that you handled it, Lord. You, you, you take care of it all. The lies of man that say we're not enough, the lies of the enemy that say we, we've screwed up one too many times, we've squandered too many opportunities, it's too late. God, you redeem us. And you say, now, son, run free with joy and purpose. We thank you, God, you've given us that gift that we can run. I help facilitate um, a Celebrate Recovery ministry in the Madison area, and I have the privilege of uh, getting to do a 20-minute sermon every other week just on the material. And um, one thing I always try to implement in every lesson, no matter how I say it, is you're not where you were. We are all a work in Christ. We are all a progress, progressively keep moving forward. And so I think a type of shame is thinking that you are exactly where you were when you started and you're not. Right. You're an unfinished work. And so, Lord, I pray against any mindset or any idea, any distraction that hinders progress, that hinders growth. Lord, I pray against uh, anything that would just derail our perseverance, Yes. that would derail our path to our goals, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would just sustain us Help us to remember that it's not about us. It's your strength that gets us there. We don't need to have shame because you are the one that empowers us to move forward. You are the one that empowers us to keep going. We are not who we were. When you pick us up, you don't take us back to the starting line. We're a progress. We are, we are in progress with you. Lord, we thank you that you don't take us back to the finish line. That's right. You pick us up where we're at and you just give us the strength to keep going. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, as we end this particular session, Lord, again, I just repeat my prayer. Cement the truths, the impartation, not from a man, but that which was born of the Spirit, birthed of the Spirit, the healing that has taken place, the declaration that shame will not be our tutor, and Lord, that we will march forward forward into our future like has been prayed. I agree with those prayers today. And Lord, we, on the count of three, let's all just say yes and amen. One, two, three.